five, four, three, two, one. This is Views in Paradise. Collective on this sh- here show, we discuss a new movie every week. As always, I am joined by my co-host Rochelle Racine. Welcome, and, and this week joining us we have Bruce Gale. Welcome, hello. Happy to have you, Bruce. Yeah, um, happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Yes, absolutely. You want to tell the people a little by yourself? Sure. Well, I am uh, an actor and I do voiceover work. Most recently, I dubbed The Corner for Babylon Berlin that is playing on Netflix uh, third season. I was invited back to reprise my role, so I'm very happy they, they still wanted me. So is that a German show? It is, yes. It's a German show. And so they so dubbed the American it. cast. That's cool. right. The American cast, yeah. It's something that you don't think about often is the dubbing cast, right? I mean, I guess you do, no. Gail. <laughs> well, what was really nice this season, they actually made it a, um, a SAG production. So the dubbing cast got credits at the end of it. So that was kind of cool to see. Nice. And you're Taft Hartlead. I'm Taft Hartlead, yes. Yes. So yeah, I always notice the credits if I watch something like a something foreign on Netflix that after the credits they do the dubbing cast. Right. So yeah. that's really cool. It's called ADR, right? Audio dialogue replacement. Yes. Right. That's an audio right automated dialogue replacement. Yeah. yeah. Automated dialogue. Okay. Yeah. You would think it would be audio, but it's not. <laughs> that would make too much sense. Yeah. So real quick, I just wanted to say that I know Bruce is an actor. We've acted together multiple times, and he is an amazing actor and the oh. best partner I've ever had. Oh, please. No, it's all you. you know, Always a pleasure to act with you. dream team. It strikes me, Rochelle, that we never really introduced ourselves properly. I That's mean, true. most of the people know us, either one of the two of us who are in the Facebook group because we personally invited everybody. But ideally, we would get some viewers from outside that pool at some point. I've taught film. Uh, I've been in film for like 10 years. Producer director, editor, sound guy, a little bit of everything. Uh, I've taught at New York Film Academy and then I also do workshops with the Pattern Veterans Project. It's a great kind of organization that does nonprofit workshops for vets. And uh, I've guest lectured at a couple of different schools as well. It's a little about me and Rochelle, just maybe something quick. I'm an actress and voice actress, short and sweet. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing to plug right now, but stay tuned. Yeah, my only front of camera experience is podcasting. I do it for fun. And I, I would just add, Rochelle is so talented. It's just a pleasure acting with her in class. Thank nice. you. I love acting with you too. You're my favorite. <laughs> All right, so this week uh, our film was Drive. We will be talking about it in full spoilers. So I'm just going to start with like a little breakdown of the film, and then we'll just kind of get into dissecting it a little bit. So... This film is Drive, based on a book by James Salas. There is a sequel, actually, that came out, like, really? pretty shortly after the film. It came out after the film came out, which I always find interesting, because you wonder, was there influence or not? But yeah, it's based on a book by James Salas, directed by Nicholas Winding Refn, who notably directed Bronson with Tom Hardy, like one of Tom Hardy's first kind of meaty roles. Valhalla Rising, more recently Neon Demon. He's really kind of an Artur. And Drive kind of stands out in his resume as something that is 
probably his like most mainstream film. This was written by Hossein Amini. I gotta say, this is probably the strongest credit I saw on his list. He does, uh, he's showrunner on something called McMafia, which I don't know about, but he did write like Snow White and the Huntsman, 47 Ronin, kind of some cheesy, like high profile blockbusters. So this is very kind of different from the rest of his kind of typical over cinematography was by newton thomas siegel he's done kind of notable films such as usual suspects uh, he did three kings more recently he did cinematography on bohemian rhapsody so he's got some good he's got some good stuff under his belt movie stars ryan the cast i have to say right off the bat is like a loaded cast it's pretty studded it's it's pretty phenomenal actually and some of them are like pretty big time so it's got ryan gosling in the lead carrie mulligan albert brooks ryan cranston ron perlman and a very kind of early appearance by oscar isaac on the film scene this was the first time i ever saw oscar isaac in anything and uh i guess we'll get to that in a moment edited by matthew newman and he's directed pretty much all of reference films the only other notable thing i saw when i was looking stuff up was uh sicario 2 day of soldado which is a well-edited movie it's not as good as the first one but but that's an opinion uh and then music is by cliff martinez and i would argue one of kind of the standout features of this film uh, i got so many private messages on instagram and facebook when we made the announcement like that they just loved that soundtrack and that they listened to it in their private time <laughs> it's a good soundtrack it's like weird i think it's very nicely contrasty with the film why don't we just start there i guess we'll just start with music do you want me to say my fun fact oh yeah, yeah give it give it to me yeah this is a fun one, so we got to say it. So while watching a cartoon, Benicio, the character, assumes one of the characters is the villain in the cartoon because he's a shark. Which, which I immediately I... knew what movie this was. Did you, Bruce, <laughs> guess what movie this was? The, no. Do you remember the scene? They're like watching. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. I, I was immediately like, it's got to be Finding Nemo. Yeah. Right? Oh. Driver, Orion Gosling's character, replies, are there no friendly sharks? And fun fact about this is Albert Brooks, who plays Bernie in this movie, voiced Nemo. No, Marlon. Oh, Marlon. Excuse yeah. me. Perfect. Yeah. The lead. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Oddly, the lead is not Nemo. And it's... In the... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let's start with uh, soundtrack, I guess. What did you guys think of the score? Uh, we did sort of get into it already, but maybe Rochelle, you wanted to kind of follow up? Well, the soundtrack was... It was simultaneously, okay, the whole film is full of juxtaposition, which I really appreciate. And the soundtrack to me was simultaneously calming yet eerie. I think it was calming? Calming, yes. Yeah. The juxtaposition of, for me, it was calming oh. yet eerie. Um, like I wasn't scared by it, like in a thriller, you know how it like pings your anxiety and such. It wasn't like that, but. It's not really used in a thriller aspect. No, I'm just saying like in yeah, movies, yeah with thrillers like you know the music is meant to like emote sure. your anxiety and your fear where this one although i found it eerie still made me calm and interested in what was going to happen next but not in like the on my edge of the seat way more in like i want to observe whatever brilliance is going to come out of this oh that's interesting yeah i don't know if you would count this as soundtrack but one thing i thought was really interesting was during the early chase scene that they had where they, he had the ball game playing on in the background. Yeah. To me, that was such an interesting juxtaposition of him just listening to the ball game as he's just driving. The sound design in that opening scene and throughout the movie in general, but especially in that opening is so good. 
because there's like the ball game there's the police uh scanner yeah. there is a soundtrack and it comes in very subtly and it kind of ebbs in and out and then like it's very quiet mostly but when it gets time to like oh the cops have spotted us suddenly both the camera and the audio track cut to like outside the car and it just gets like you know we get that huge kind of roar of the engine sound design was i thought kind of like masterful throughout this movie actually i i liked a lot the just like the use the use of soundtrack and the you music know the, was perfectly placed yeah and it is like not what you would expect from this kind of this is almost like a film from the 60s or something like it like it's clearly like a he's a james dean-esque character and the to pay, be honest yeah with you, i'm sorry to interrupt but i All was good. expecting like michael bay like explosions and just like ridiculous like over the top music and like everything that this film is not which i really appreciated well yeah i i hear that I, but there were other elements of the film that i thought were like over the top in terms of the the violence almost sort of um tarantino-esque in terms of the way they use violence and uh yeah almost to a point where you know it's, it's like okay this doesn't even look real i don't know if you guys have seen any of his other films but it's kind of a staple of Reffins to like have like it's kind of his thing where he has like the, a lot of these big lulls and then when it's violent it's like hyper violent oh yeah real the thing with Quentin Tarantino the difference between their violence I mean obviously Quentin Tarantino like every movie is about violence but like Tarantino when he makes it violent it's like over the top ridiculous he plays it for like, laughs over, right yeah the blood, <laughs> like sprays everywhere yeah realistically and then in uh once upon a time in hollywood you know leonardo dicaprio is that flamethrower yeah. like uh you know something i noticed uh, a quick aside about tarantino is like he almost always plays violence for laughs yeah. like he always looks for comedy in it you know even when it's not extra gory like uh jackie brown when robert de niro kills bridget fonda spoiler alert there's it, there's no real blood or anything but yeah. it is it's done like it's a gag you know like it's a joke yeah. and all right but i have to ask you guys about yeah. the one scene where the rifle is shot through the window and blows that girl's head off uh, exploded i mean exploded uh, and that's what would really like, happen that's christina Hendricks barely in this thing a, a name in her own right right yeah, yeah. <laughs> she, she, she lost her head quickly in the film yes yeah like that <laughs> What really got me about this film, and one of the reasons it made me uncomfortable, this film, and this film was not for me, and it was because the violence was so realistic. I mean, I've never seen anybody have their head blown off with a shotgun, but I imagine, especially at that distance, it was close. Oh, it exploded. My wife and I were watching it together. It was like, what? Yeah. yeah. Well, I wouldn't even say it's realistic. It's just visceral. Yeah. Style, like, it was stylized. It's I very think. stylized. Like, like you mentioned, that one, for me, I, I think that being that bit in slow motion is one of the more questionable moments yeah. in the movie from like a directing standpoint. Mm -hmm. um, I think most of the time this movie is directed kind of to perfection where every frame is telling you something. I don't know. As I was watching it, the like scene study teacher side of me was coming yeah. out where I'm just like every shot, like there's, sh there's a shot where like Ryan Gosling is like talking with Carrie Mulligan in her house and he's looking at her and he's happy. But like right in the, in the corner, if we look at my screen, it's like right tiny in the corner is like the picture of Oscar Isaac and his kid, you know? And, and the movie's just full of stuff like that. Like he walks into his apartment and it's just empty. 
It's just empty squares. Like that's all we see. And then we go very shortly after that to the neighbor's apartment and there's like color on the walls and there's life and there's character. And yeah, Yeah. you know, it's lived in, right. It's so like every choice feels very deliberate in that sense. You know, for me then, because I, I think there were some incredible elements of it, like you're describing, John, but it's almost a case like the the elements are, for me, were less than the whole in terms of my overall enjoyment of, of the movie, mm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a simple movie. Like, I'm going into critique mode. It doesn't have a lot to say. It is just kind of this ambient feeling. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. there's a sense of cool there's a sense of attachment and finding purpose. And then there's like the Western element where it's like the man with no name kind of story. To me, you know, if you get past the violent part of it, it was like one of those movies that, you know, my wife and I would characterize as it's a, it's a fun movie. And so we enjoyed it from, from that stamp, from that standpoint. That's a great way to look at it as someone who you were, Oh, you weren't in that class with me. I took a theater combat and I just like, It was so much on my soul and I cannot get into violent films unless they Tarantino it and make it critic. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. So that's a great way to look at it. It is a fun film if you can get past the violence. Right, yeah. And while we're kind of touching on like these elements in cinematography, one thing that I really loved, I feel like he was able to instill LA with a sense of life and character that like most directors just don't do. <laughs> you know, I agree. I agree with yeah. that a lot. Yeah, because there was a use of like the night shots of LA, and there was a lot of the black and orange to me, which gave it a vibrancy that made LA really just light up. And if you didn't live out here, you know, I came here from the Midwest, so whenever we would see movies about Los Angeles and that, it had this mysterious and magical element to it, which I think that kind of shooting really brought out. Yes, yeah. definitely. And you know, it went with the character um, yeah. with Driver because obviously this man is very mysterious we never find out his like you know global past circumstances and we you know we're just kind of like introduced to his mystery and his mythic character in terms of like how the movie shoots la i do love that they go to like that edge that like border of the la river and it's like Mm -hmm. yeah by the way there's a real river (laughs) that this (laughs) that this very famous paved way connects with not a desert we have waters yeah (laughs) there there are things there but you know you don't you don't immediately think of it and like i I like that you know that scene it's like they literally go to like his happy place there's stuff like that the movie is very clear with its metaphors i think that's what i like about it is like never during the film was i going like what what is this (laughs) like who are the good guys who are the bad guy got bad bad guys like what is this movie about like it's very clear the whole time you're watching it um you know i think it does a good job of setting the stakes and there are kind of more ambient things about it but that is something i like about the simplicity of it is that it's just very clear visual storytelling and it is very visual storytelling because they stripped almost all of the dialogue just down to oh yeah to yeah. bare minimum, like with the exceptions being kind of just the characters who would talk more, right? Yeah. Right. Like right. Brian Cranston. Driver, he would speak with a purpose. Right. I always think of him as the kid. I know he's like in the credits as Driver, and I think in the book he's called Driver, but Brian Cranston is the only one that ever refers to him by a moniker, and it's the kid. So I was like, <laughs> for me, he was just the kid. Because that's what I was wondering. It's like, did I miss his name somewhere, you know? But no. it was just Driver. Yeah. Yeah, he's just... 
He's just a guy. Yeah, Brian Cranston refers to him as the kid when he's talking to Carrie Mulligan. That's the only, that's as close as we ever get to like him being labeled with a name. And everybody else gets a name, like kind of pointedly. Yeah. Right? So yeah, not you know not the most subtle, but I like that it's clear. It's one of those films that anybody can watch, but then it's also not Michael Bay or Marvel <laughs> or something like that. You know what I mean? Like a lot of people can connect with it and love it, but they don't have all the tricks that Hollywood. This movie does an interesting thing of like riding the line between mainstream and art house. Mm -hmm. Ruffin's mm -hmm. definitely an art house director, but like this does feel like mainstream it does have that sense that like it is kind of like about cool cars and like hyper violence and but it's also not about those things you know like the movie doesn't really care about cars at all <laughs> it's just a tool it cares a little bit more about the violence but not even that much which is something i find interesting it's more about the build-up to these moments it's uh, interesting john because i was thinking you know fast and furious but which is all about cars whereas this you're right i think the car was was a tool it's clearly a movie not made by like a car lover because there is kind of no element of this film that's like a love letter to cars it's just trying to tell this kind of this story and it's much more interested with the character and in particular ryan gosling's character right what do we think of the acting you guys are actors oh. i'd love to that's what really like sucked me into this film was the acting i mean obviously like they're gonna cast wonderful actors that can pull this off in a film like this yeah. but if that even beautiful one beautiful actor, people yeah, full yeah. Of beautiful people beautiful. Even one actor like fell very short to me like i don't think i would have wanted to finish the film other than like obviously having to because of this episode i want to focus on ryan gosling like i feel that this is one of the characters that he most inhabited like he really lived in this man and he really lived in driver and i think that ability of him really pushed the straightforward Hollywood tough guy into like something really complex and contradictory with him, which again leads back to what I was saying earlier, like this film is full of juxtaposition. And he was physical and self-confident, but obviously lonely and possessed with very dark past and like a stillness about him yeah and not Which... without emotion there are moments like when uh i forget the character's name but when oscar isaacs gets shot and he's clearly very surprised and shocked and it's like it is kind of a rattling moment because he's always so cool you know but it's like some of it's kind of a show right he puts on yeah. the i'm tough because he works with criminals yeah well also i mean to piggyback off that in a realistic way like when you are so used to that you kind of become jaded, you know? And I think that his reaction in that moment humanized him. Yeah, and the movie hints that he's already run from a criminal past. Like, when he talks to Brian Cranston and he tells him to, like, you go and you never come back and you never tell anybody, you get the feel, like, I got the feeling that, well, that's why he's in L.A. in the first place. is because yeah. something similar to this oh, happened and he had to start over. You know, back to your comments, Rochelle, about Ryan Gosling, you know, the dialogue was very sparing for him. So all of his acting came through what flickered across his face, his movements, his his attitude. So that was that was pretty amazing. It was. Yeah, he has and like I, less than a thousand words I saw. Yeah. In the... Really? Yeah. yeah. Like I could almost imagine what he would say, even though he wasn't saying anything. Not even almost. I could imagine what he would say when he wasn't saying anything. Well, and apparently yeah. the film started 
with a significant amount more dialogue and between sort of Ryan Gosling and the director working on it they just like started stripping everything away that felt superfluous with kind of like the exception being like you know Brian Cranston who's all of his dialogue is superfluous. It's like the opposite. He's just filling. Yeah. He's filling the void. Bruce, what did you think about Carrie Mulligan's performance? As, as Irene, she, I think that was her character. Wasn't that her character name? Yeah. Irene. Yeah. Correct. I really enjoyed her performance. Um, the fact that she was very slow about letting him into her light and then embracing him. Actually, I thought some of the more tender and, and, and more beautiful moments of the scene were that relationship, that developing relationship between her and, and Ryan Gosling. Completely. Mm. I mean, another juxtaposition, you know, he, it's showing his soft and human side when he has this whole different murderous bad boy side, you know? I loved the progression of the relationship as well. Like, to be honest, I was expecting like full-blown sex scenes and like, you know, that type of relationship to develop. Uh-huh. And I was pleasantly surprised. It's very tender, it right? Yeah, and, it is very. Yeah, And, and I liked that I, something I kind of, didn't really pick up as much up on the first watch, the first time I saw it that I got more in this one is that his relationship isn't just with her. It is with the son too. Yeah. Oh like, yeah. yeah. He loves them both, you yeah. know, which, which is something I liked a lot about the film that I thought was yeah. kind of a, a nice choice. To in fact, in some ways I thought the son hooked him even before he found the, his love relationship with her, with the mom. Yeah, it's true. He catches the, the kid catches his eye in the store first, yeah. right? Yeah. Agreed. Yeah, it's interesting. And he does have like moments where the two of just the two of them go driving at night or whatever. But like, you know, when he takes them into the LA River and all that, like the way that it's shot, the music that's used, it's like that buttery golden light. And it's it's very much the three of them and like the kid is brought up to the front seat and i really liked that they kind of had the relationship between the three of them and it makes sense because like as a single mom she's gonna be you know her kid's gonna be very important to her obviously and somebody who couldn't get along with the kid would probably automatically be oh that's yeah that's that's a non-starter it's just the father in me when i watched that scene said is anybody wearing a seatbelt? why is that child sitting on (laughs) on their lap of the front seat yeah but I loved it. It was very tender. And obviously this uh, speaks to the fact that like he's ready to give this life up and he wants the family and he wants the tenderness. Yeah. You know, uh, he's lonely. I feel like yes. acting wise, also, I got to give a crazy shout out to Oscar Isaac. This was the first time I ever saw him. And so I didn't have any like preconceived notions about like, Oscar Isaac, the actor, when I first saw this. And I absolutely fell in love with him. I really like that they took kind of the, the deadbeat dad criminal father trope and they just kind of upended it they're like let's make him likable and i think oscar Isaac really sells that because i don't think it's really in the the script itself that he is likable i think it comes across through his performance more than anything that he found that yeah yeah that like he managed to find a way to make him just feel human obviously he's a little put off by the fact that he kind of knows his his wife was probably hooking up with the neighbor but he doesn't he doesn't go full asshole about it. You know, he like, he's like understanding that like, yeah, I was in jail. (laughs) Like this is bound to happen, you know, and he handles it kind of like a champ 
Yeah, and, he handled it like a gentleman, and you would not expect that from an ex-con, you know? Yeah, yeah that was one of the more, yeah, one of the more really interesting aspects, character aspects of, of the movie. The fact that he was really with both hands trying to change his life and to restart his life, and then getting the idea like, oh, what's going on here between, you know, these two, and adapting to it and actually making a friend out of him. That was that was pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah it, was I, pretty, it was pretty cool. I when antagonists are able to be likable, I always relate it to Meryl Streep because I feel like that's her like bread and butter. No. And I was like, I loved him and I was cheering for him. And when he passed, I cried. It is shocking because you start to like him pretty quick. And then and they just like, from you. yeah. <laughs> uh, and you know, like, and also that moment is jarring because the stakes are appropriately high for the situation and like you know that as soon as he's done it's like oh the situation's broke it's not gonna it's not gonna work out like you kind of as the audience member like know it right then and there i mean it's heavy when he dies because it's yeah. not like it's it's like you like him but also you're kind of rooting for the situation and it's just it's all done right there and now it's all damage control from from then on Right. Yeah. But that also set up the fact that, that Ryan Gosling, the, the driver, totally committed himself to avenging someone he had just gotten to know who had just become his friend and the, the, the wife and the child totally committed to avenging that death. Yeah. And to like yeah. protecting, like making sure that they were going to be out of harm's way. Right. Yes. Right. And it is it is a selfless act because, you know, he's not going to get the girl in the end especially when he fesses up like even before like at, before they get in the elevator like as soon as you see the guy like it's just kind of building this idea where you know he's not going to get the the win at the end of this movie right. that he wants yeah. but he still is committed to like make sure that they're safe right yeah and it's interesting because he's clearly not a good guy he's doing criminal things from the opening scene for money and so he's not like good but from then bad. on his actions are kind of altruistic really yeah he's not good but he's not a moral either yeah, so he has a code that he lives by i was just gonna say that how often do you see criminals with boundaries you know and right. he was discussing driving for the father oscar isaac he was like i don't carry guns and these are like my boundaries and i right. yeah. this is refreshing yeah. <laughs> you know <laughs> how often do you see a criminal with boundaries yeah <laughs> It's almost like the opening of the transporter where he gives the rules. Yeah. <laughs> but that, but like, it's, that's what I mean. It has these elements that are like straight out of mainstream over the top movies, yeah. but then it like low keys all of them. And it kind of manages to avoid a lot of like common tropes that would tend to get on your nerves in terms of things like the love triangle or like the over the topness. I love that the car crashes are not Real. explosive. They're just like the car flips once and then it's done. Yeah. You know? yeah. yeah. They're very realistic. Like I was saying, I was expecting Michael Bay, you know, so <laughs> that was great <laughs> that it was not like that. Yeah. It's when you were mentioning about giving the rules, I like the bit about the five minutes. That was very cool to me. That's not something I've seen before for that five minutes. I am totally yours. I'll be there for you. But after that, it's all over. Yeah. Don't count on me to stick with you after that five minutes, yeah. but during yeah. it, anything, you know, anything, I'll do anything. That, that was pretty cool. I haven't seen that before. And it literally sets a ticking clock on it. Right. And like, they use that in the sound motif, like that opening again with the sound, it's a case study for like how to layer things well. Cause it, it does that. It does the Hitchcock, right. Put the bomb under the table. Like let's, let's give it a five minute clock this way. When one guy comes out of the building and the other one's late, we're like, 
oh shit, he's gonna he's gonna burn up our five minutes, right? <laughs> right, right. Piggyback on what we were talking about on like the you know we knew he wasn't gonna get the girl. I for some reason I don't know why like didn't pick up in that moment that he wasn't gonna get the girl. But and I viewed it as like you know he loves her and he's gonna sacrifice himself. And no matter like, you know, high stakes, high consequences. And he was just there to love this woman. Yeah. Yes. yes. Yeah. I don't know why I didn't pick up on the. And, and I love the device that they used where at the end she knocks on the apartment door and there's no answer realizing that he's gone. It wasn't that he was just away. She knew he was gone. Yeah. And like, she's sort of kept in the dark, but you get the sense that she's smart enough to, oh, she is. to know. Sharp. Right? They even allude to that. Oscar Isaac says that. What if. With her his pickup line. Was, oh yeah, she's quick, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, what is her line? She was like, "Where's the deluxe version?" Yeah, where's the? Deluxe yeah, version? right, right. Standard, yeah, the standard. standard. Might have said, yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's a smart cookie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. One problem I had, I want to see sure. what you guys thought about it, is that I accept the reality that he was a great driver. You know, he was a stunt car driver for Hollywood. He was a great driver. And then all of a sudden, he has all these mad combat skills. And they didn't yeah. provide any Does he, though? He kind of just sneak attacks. Like, when he goes in with a hammer, it's just all confidence. There isn't crazy blocking. There isn't crazy skills. Like, he bum rushes the guy at the strip club. He literally just, like, walks up and hammers his hand. Like, yeah. that. you're done. I don't care who you are. If somebody does that to you and then with ron perlman he t-bones him with a car right because i was almost like would ron perlman not be able to put up a fight but then i was thinking that like he just got out of a car crash where like he literally got t-boned it's like the right. worst way to get hit yeah. and then with albert brooks he does get stabbed <laughs> like albert <laughs> brooks straight up shanks him and he so manages didn't so like i didn't really feel like he was over the top badass i think he was just smart don't give your opponent the chance to be better than you even in the elevator he kind of bum rushes him they have a little bit of a struggle but he's like prepared i mean he just stomps on his face a bunch right he just kind of over overdoes it so yeah and maybe it was that scene up. in the elevator where i was thinking wow he's got all these skills here but you yeah. know it's kind of that's interesting yeah, to me, he just kind of brute forces it and he kind of surprises them. It is, and it is really violent, right? right? When he stomps the guy's head, it's like very bloody. And yeah. To touch on his violent training, one thing that stood out to me, and I actually agree with Bruce, is like, you know, where did this come from? Was when the they were in the hotel and he is very observant, clearly, you know, with the guy in the elevator, he saw the gun and he saw these people walking past him, but he like took shower rod and stab that guy in the chest yeah. that's true yeah. you know so i feel yeah. like there is a level of training there it's not all luck because i think that that's where the mysterious past comes in right is like right. we yeah, don't exactly. know what's right where's his backstory you know was he a combat veteran was he you know on the special forces you know we don't know but it's yeah. like all of a sudden i'm a driver but i i've got you know i'm deadly yeah, but we literally, but we do know him as a criminal first, right? Yeah. He's a he's a getaway driver, which is yeah. not just it's not even just a stunt driver. It's like I'm literally willing to put myself into danger yeah. and work with yeah. criminals. So you know, I was pretty maybe I'm just more forgiving on it than you, but I mean, you know, that's fine. I'm I'm very harsh on a lot of films, so yeah. <laughs> I, um, I don't hold it against you. I found myself craving his story and like why he got to where he is. I think that means they did a good job. Yeah, I was just going to say, obviously that means they did a good job. And that's just like my, I need these details. 
Like, right. You know, yeah. I would have loved some more hints at, to, at that, what that background is. Yeah. I wouldn't have minded a few more hints. I do yeah. think to give us the whole story would kind of take away some of the cool. The mystique. So to speak. Yeah. The mystique. Thank you. And like his character kind of needs some of that mystique, but uh, yeah, a little bit more wouldn't have wouldn't have hurt i kept trying to i kept trying to figure out what actor that mask was supposed to be yeah okay because they're like you're the lead and i was like is he vin diesel who is he oh right right creepy ass guy (laughs) wasn't that creepy that was really creepy very and what was interesting from a creative standpoint was that when he's wearing the mask there was there was no expression he couldn't use his face at that point to communicate anything it was all through body movement or right. what a little dialogue he had. So that was kind of interesting. Right. I wonder how that uncom- how uncomfortable that was. Probably a lot. <laughs> Just, it looked pretty realistic. It looked really suffocating. Yeah. yeah, like it yeah. looked... Because I assume it was meant to um, be a replica of whoever, you know, he was driving for in that film. Yeah. yeah, that's why I was like wondering if it was based on a real actor. I tried yeah. to find out, but it I, I don't know if it was or not. John, you were saying about his getaway car driving skills. You know, I thought it was interesting and different from other films I've seen in that sort of genre is that he didn't just muscle and speed his way through. Mm-hmm. Remember the points where he would actually slow down and come to a stop? Yeah, the fir- one of the first things he does is just pull over and turn the lights off. Yeah. And it it's very- so just opposite of what we're taught. We've been taught to expect. Yeah, I, I agree. I like the subversion in the car chase aspect of it. And it it does do some like speed stuff, but it's yeah. never it never feels like it's for the sake of being over the top. You know, it is kind of to raise the stakes and to be like, it's like, what is this person who's so careful going to do when the helicopter does spot him? You know, when we already have established that he's someone who's trying to avoid getting seen or caught at all costs. So yeah, I liked kind of how they use those elements in this film. Very, very refreshing compared to just a lot of what's out there. I don't know. Any, uh, do we want to just like any final thoughts on the films? Anything we didn't get to that you guys wanted to chat about? There was a couple of shots in the film that I I noted that, you know, right at the beginning where they did the very slow reveal on Ryan Gosling, you know, it wasn't immediate. It was a very slow, the camera coming up before we saw his face. I thought that was an interesting technique they used there. And when Albert Brooks again, right? Yeah, right. And then Albert Brooks' character, I guess he was Mr. Rose, Bernie Rose. There was a, I have an, I just kept some, took some notes that there was an angle, I think it was a shooting up at him when he was making. Um, he's almost always shot from, from underneath. Yeah. Like he, yeah. his shots are like all high angle shots. Yeah, high angle shot. Yeah, I thought that was really powerful the way they yeah. did that when they did that shot. Uh, I thought it was interesting because like the first time he meets Driver, Driver's at, he's he's in the low angle shot. And Albert Brooks is being shot from like way underneath. He's in the high angle. And later when they're in the garage together, they're both shot from underneath. And Ryan Gosling actually has a more extreme angle. If you kind of go to like the, the rudimentary film theory that like the low angle is the power shot, then like in the garage, they were almost on the same footing. But if anything, Ryan Gosling is like shot in a way that's more powerful and like yeah. more dramatic even than Albert Brooks's. So I thought there was like interesting things uh, yeah. in that way with the camera. Agreed. So, um, to pe- speak on Ryan Gosling, one thing that I loved about this film was that this role propelled him into overcoming like the typical heartthrob he would play otherwise. It kind and... of did that with his public image too, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Which was so refreshing. He's great though. Like Lars and the Real Girl. Have you guys seen that? 
Yes, yes. Yeah. Oh, he's so good in that. Like, I think he's a he's one of these actors who is very pretty, but he's he's got chops, you know. Great actor. He is really pretty. He gets that Brad. <laughs> he gets that Brad Pitt thing where, like, Brad Pitt. You know, yeah. we kind of have to every now and then come to his defense and be like, you know, he is a good actor. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Best supporting actor for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So there you go. Now it can yeah. be argued. That's a <laughs> that's a separate uh, issue, but I think that's Brad Pitt's best performance. Yeah, because okay. um, he so, disappears. Overall, as I mentioned earlier, this film was not for me. Too much violence. To me, that was very realistic. <laughs> and I cringed a lot. But I loved Ryan Gosling's character. The juxtaposition of him being like sweet and revolting and tense and surreal and surprising. I just loved it. And then overall, the juxtaposition of the film was like calm and calamity. I love the film noir edge that it had. And I felt that the pace, although a lot of people say it was really slow, I feel if you have the patience, people would find it hypnotic. Wow, that's interesting. I would not have characterized it as slow. I thought it was was well paced. Yeah, know, I like the pacing. I mean, it's to me, it's 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 melodic, right? Because mm-hmm. it does have these moments where it lingers, right? Where it like tr- it lives in a moment, or it drags out the silence, where like him and Carrie Mulligan aren't talking but clearly right. they're like communicating yeah, they're connect uh communicating cerebrally cerebrally why can't it's i really, yeah. if it's not a word it should be yeah <laughs> that's probably why i couldn't say it. <laughs> well I, I think it depends on what kind of movie you think you're watching so if you think you're if you're the kind if you like a violent movie mm-hmm. card chases explosions maybe not the movie for you if you like the movie it had those those pieces to it but it was really about the the relationships between all these folks the love relationship relationship between the bad guys so if you're more into appreciating how those relationships build and the complexity of those relationships i think it would be more of the film for you yeah and i also think this is a film for people who appreciate craft because yeah. it's very well crafted from the acting you know to the soundtrack to the cinematography like the design it's just like very well made kind of regardless of the more opinion-based decisions like the slow motion headshot or like whatever mm-hmm. Like so yeah. there, you know, there are things that are a matter of taste, but I feel like on an objective level, it's incredibly well crafted. And if you appreciate filmmaking, I think that this is why when it premiered at Cannes, it got like, you know, a 17 minute ovation or whatever. I completely understand why people love this film, you know, yeah. and if there was just like a little less violence. I, I would probably watch like rinse this and watch it over and over, you know. I think for myself, I, what I said earlier about the elements being, you know, uh, the whole being less than, than the elements. I love the crafting of it, mm-hmm. looking at it through an actor's eyes or a filmmaking eyes. I love those elements of it. If I was just an audience member looking at it as a film, it would be like, okay, this is, it's a fun film and I would move on. Yeah, and I could see it being seen as like very simple. Some people want something more elaborate, either with the mm-hmm. plotting or with the dialogue or what have you. This is a very kind of stripped down thing. So yeah. I could see it feeling like a small movie or like a very simple thing. But for my taste, I got a lot of what I like about watching movies out of it. You know, I, I, I can cringe from time to time, but the worst one I think is the is actually the bathroom where he stabs the guy. Cause he's just like, yeah, yes. Yes. he's just like leaking all over the place. And like, yeah, that is kind of cringy and like a little more than I tend to, to like, but you know, it's, it's a choice and it's, it's there to get you to kind of squirm a little. Totally. I, you know, totally. so that I can appreciate ex- it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was completely excellent. Like every single 
moment I was like reacting yeah. to something, you know? <laughs> I like a simple story because the more complicated you get, the more chance for plot holes you have. Like right. the more chance that I have a harder time suspending my disbelief. This keeps it so simple that like I was just in it kind of from beginning to end. Yeah. Yeah. And I will give this film high marks on the lovemaking scene. There's so many Hollywood movies that the lovemaking scene is they're banging off the walls. It's like oh, way overdone. And this had a tenderness to it and a gentleness to it that I think was more in touch and, and appropriate than than sort of what you typically see in the in the first right. time a couple gets together right yeah because it's not like that's one of the elements of me that's not gratuitous the violence right. is gratuitous even the style is gratuitous to an extent but like the emotion is is where they're trying to kind of keep it grounded yeah. and i yeah and i i appreciate that as well all right i think we had a, a nice discussion about it thank you so much for joining us bruce where can the people find you and if you've got anything to plug now would be a great time to plug it well they can find me on imdb i'm there at bruce gale vt i think or i, I think you're going to publish the, the link yeah we uh we will add it to the description uh once yeah. we wrap up the live feed yeah. and i encourage you not because i did some dubbing in it but babylon berlin is a wonderful series it was made in germany it's about the interwar years between the first world war and the second world war but it's not a war movie it's really about a detective and what happens to people following a war the P ptsd the addiction and it's got a great detective story so i encourage folks to go out and watch that um all right guys well thanks for listening uh rochelle where can they find you you can find me on instagram at rochelle racine please check the spelling or use the link below because my mother likes to be unique <laughs> in her naming of children and you can also follow me on Twitter, R-O Rochelle. So Ro Rochelle, which will also be linked below. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter uh, at John in Paradox. There's no H in the John. And I don't really use Twitter much. Maybe, maybe that'll change but mostly I'm on Instagram and we'll have more updates soon. Like I said, we're going to kind of do some changes to the show. So we're still kind of finding our sea legs with this and I hope everybody is staying safe. I think that's everything. Well, until next time then, uh, watch, more watch more movies. Happy viewing.